This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Heard every Sunday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Live from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zoomer Radio, AM740. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. This is indeed The Conspiracy Show. I'm Richard Serrett. Come on in, hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and warm yourself by the fire. You are among friends. There are some potentially troubling changes coming to the way in which non-medical therapeutic practices, uh, including uh, various forms of talk therapy, psychotherapy, touch therapy, spiritual counseling, regression therapy, uh, even yoga instruction, changes to the way these things are all regulated here in the province of Ontario. Uh, That, according to my guest who is standing by, it has to do with some amendments uh, to existing pieces of legislation that were reportedly rammed through Queen's Park, going back to 2007 and another piece that was passed hastily, uh, she says, in 2015. And then any day now, perhaps, uh, these changes will be signed into law. And I'm not uh, really clear as to why they've not yet been signed. However, Grace Joe Barn is the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. Uh, It's all rather complicated, but it's important you need to hear about it and and make up your own mind, whether you're a practitioner of some of these alternative forms of of therapy or whether you you use uh, these other forms of therapy. Uh, Some are suggesting the provincial government is in cahoots with, you guessed it, Big Pharma and uh, the psychiatric industry, and, and they want to ban all alternative modes of healing. And others are saying that's blowing this way out of proportion. We'll get to that in a moment, and, and you can decide for yourself. Uh, please take a few moments and visit the website, strangeplanet.ca. And that's really just a landing page. And from there, you can go to the radio section, the TV section. There's a live events uh, section. Uh, speaking of the live events page, you'll want to go there and get details on my next live event, The Bilderbergs, coming Sunday, April the 17th at the University of Toronto. I'll be flying Daniel Estulin in from his home in Spain. Daniel is the Pulitzer Prize-nominated uh, author of the, the True Story of the Bilderbergs. He'll um, be here to present a new documentary film called Bilderberg the Movie. This will be the Canadian theatrical premiere. And then Daniel will deliver a 90-minute presentation. Uh, and then there'll be a Q&A session and a meet-and-greet to follow. That's Sunday, April the 17th at the University of Toronto. Get more details and order tickets online at strangeplanet.ca. Go to the live events page. And uh, you can also get tickets by uh, visiting Patrick and Kadena, our dear friends at Conspiracy Culture, which is a very cool bookstore at 1344 Bloor Street West. Conspiracy Culture, you can buy tickets right in the store or you can order them by phone at 416-916-1696. 416-916-1696. Or you can go to their website, conspiracyculture.com. And uh, you can order the uh, tickets from their events page right online. The Bilderberg, Sunday, April the 17th. Hope to see you there. All right, attention must be paid. If you're one of the following people, you need to hear this. If you're not a registered psychotherapist 
who provides any sort of verbal or nonverbal therapy or counseling for emotional, behavioral, and cognitive issues, and especially those who do not sport a master's degree or an equivalent, which would include clergy, hypnotherapy, EFT, EMDR, Reiki, and NLP, or neurolinguistic programming practitioners, and holistic educators, you will be severely affected. Or, if you are one of the uh, millions of uh, people abandoning conventional treatments for emotional, mental, and physical issues of life in favor of dignified, effective alternatives and holistic education, again, you need to pay attention because there is a, a new piece of uh, legislation here in the province that's coming down the pipe. It's called Controlled Act of Psychotherapy, and it's contained in an amendment to the Registered Health Professions Act, and it makes the treatment of human disturbances a controlled act, and only registered psychotherapists and select other licensed workers can do it. Here to tell us more about this piece of legislation and why we all should be concerned is Grace Jobarn, the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. Grace, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. All right. Uh, what is, tell me a little bit about the Registered Health Professions Act and, and what this amendment uh, is exactly. Well, the Registered Health Perfect, Perfection, I'm sorry, the Registered Health Professions Act was intended in 1991 to actually protect um, all manner of, of health care and healthcare professionals so that most of healthcare could stay in the public domain. In other words, the public would decide who survives and who doesn't. That uh, sounds like a good thing. That's right, because it's in line with our constitutional rights and so on and so forth. Only those uh, professions, healthcare professions, that were considered to be dangerous or were, which were in, engaged in dangerous activities, such as psychiatry, uh, medicine, things like that, anything that's going to cut into your body and so on and so forth, those would be regulated by controlled acts. The act would be very definable. So you'd have a defined act of, you know, sticking something in somebody's ear, for example. That's controlled. Only certain people can do that. Um, you know, uh, removing teeth. Only certain people can do that. Right. That's quite understandable. But what they've done uh, is they've hijacked the Registered Health Professions Act. It seemed to us, as a result of uh, some of the documentation that we've reviewed over the last two years, and it took us a long time to get to the bottom of this, is that um, more and more the advisors to the Minister of Health uh, since about 2001 started to become more and more um, top-heavy uh, in pharmaceutical-related uh, advocates. So more and more you found uh, this big hurry to regulate just about everything. And you found, we found this urge to uh, basically tell very safe practitioners that they had to re be regulated or eventually they'll be regulated out of business. Right. Yeah. So one of the last areas, actually the last area that the pharmaceutical drug companies, psychiatrists and psychologists had to take over was natural treatment for mental health issues, okay? Now, they had to do that because uh, people were just going by the millions to um, natural therapists, spiritual care, 
Reiki, all the natural stuff. Right, and regression so we, therapy, yeah, regression therapy. Exactly. So especially in Ontario, uh, we were saving the government, the provincial government, 7 to $10 billion annually. The Fraser Institute did two marvelous studies, huge studies, and it showed that we were 100% safe. There was never a complaint about our work, never a complaint about anything except that they had to pay out of pocket. So in fact, what was happening more and more glaringly is that people were leaving and walking away from free health care and into uh, natural therapies. Now, there's reasons for that. And and, uh, you know what, I'd really just like to have the opportunity to explain to you what's going to happen when this psychotherapy related legislation gets proclaimed, because it is already law, they secretly passed it in 2007. There was an MPP that said, gee, you know, you brought this to us in the last uh, 11th hour, and we don't even have time to look at it or discuss it with anybody, and it was passed. It was all introduced by one psychologist and, and, and the Minister of Health at the time. And in fact, there were no supporting organizations since 2001. Every supporting, I'm sorry, every organization has said the same thing. Hey, this violates the constitutional rights of everybody to choose their own practitioners. Grace, just a, and, point, a point of clarification now. Yeah. It, we, the, what part of this was passed in 2007? Uh, the Controlled Act of Psychotherapy is... Both. The Psychotherapy Act, right, and then the Controlled Act of Psychotherapy. So, what is going? Then, then, why are we talking about it now? Just uh, to clarify, well, because it was kept like really hush hush, and the people. Um, as a matter of fact, it was interesting that psychotherapists were not even allowed at the table to help frame the legislation. Can you imagine that? Psychologists and psychiatrists were the only ones allowed to frame the legislation. And we found that more uh, from our documentation that the ministry um, policy analysts tried their best to keep these people from hijacking the RHPA. There was no question about that. They kept repeating, you know, you can't do this and you can't do that because this violates this and, and you can't stop other people just because they're doing your work. You can't force them to join these colleges and so on and so forth. Okay, but, but I, again, I just I, I need to be clear here uh, yeah. because something is coming down the pipe now. Uh, you said okay. something was passed in 2007. What's about the penny's about to drop? What is that penny? Okay, 2007, both laws were passed. Right. Both le- the legislation was amended. Uh, in 2015, secretly again, the Psychotherapy Act was, was proclaimed. That made it enforceable. That made the college uh, be able to enforce anything that they wanted to enforce. They're totally unaccountable. They do whatever they like. Now, the only other thing that we're trying to stop is the Controlled Act of Psychotherapy, and it's due to be proclaimed any day now. This minister is a medical professional. He's a medical doctor. And um, he has gone out of his way to make sure that he proclaims all of this act simply because it doesn't control just one act that you can define. It controls a whole profession. Okay. Now, where the damage is, is that this profession was never a profession until 2006. Until 2006, it was nothing but a psychological intervention, talk therapy. Then suddenly, psychologists started to redefine it as a whole bunch of approaches that the rest of us do and that some people have been or some uh, practitioners have been doing for thousands of years. Now, Grace, when you say the rest of us, uh, maybe you could just take a moment and explain uh, what type of therapy you're involved with. Non-drug, 
non-drug, completely natural, absolutely no diagnosis involved. Okay, so you're talking about spiritual care, holistic education, hypnotherapy, Reiki, polarity, uh, reflexology, all of that kind of stuff. So anyone who's involved in this, um, let's call it alternative um, uh, health for emotional, mental uh, um, issues... Mm-hmm. Uh, you now are in jeopardy of being essentially a band. Uh, That's right. Even media, uh, meditation, Zen, uh, yoga, all exercises, anything for the prevention of uh, of illness, uh, anything that's health and wealth uh, wellness. Yoga. If someone yeah. is going to yoga for spiritual, emotional well being, they could yeah. close down their yoga studio under the letter of the law. Eventually, yes. When the Controlled Act goes through, this college will have the power to do whatever it wants to, and it can interpret anything the way it wants to. So if you go to the new dictionary of psychology in 2006, it was no, no coincidence that when they were ready to pass this law in 2007, they had on the books in the dictionary of psychology in the background, they had taken 315 approaches that alternatives use, okay? Anything from active listening to dietary supplementation and health information, meditation, so on and so forth. They had taken that whole list and, and called it a psychotherapeutic technique or psychotherapeutic approach. So you take, they took a psychotherapy, which never actually was a pro, uh, profession. It still doesn't have core competencies. It didn't have any, any requirements for education or anything else like that. There were no requirements where you could say, okay, there's a university degree in psychotherapy. There wasn't any of that. Okay, I've got to jump in, Grace, because we have to go into a break. We'll come back and continue to discuss this. Grace Jobarn is my guest. She is the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover, uh, talking about an important piece of legislation in Ontario, and you need to know more about it, and we'll get to it right after this. We are back with Grace Joe Barn, the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. The website, you'll want to jot this down, stoppsychotherapytakeover.ca. And we now have, it. uh, we are perhaps days, weeks away, from a a college of registered psychotherapists with enforcement powers uh, to essentially uh, put a controlled act uh, into operation that would restrict uh, a select group in the field of, of psychotherapy. If you're not licensed, if you don't have a master's degree, um, then you could be banned from from practicing. Or if you're on the receiving end of this type of therapy, you could be prohibited from, according to Grace Jo Barn and her legal advisors, uh, according to this legislation, the letter of the law, you could be prevented from even going to a yoga studio uh, for spiritual, emotional well-being. That sounds absolutely absurd on the surface. Now, the other thing that jumps out at me uh, here uh, are a a clergy. Now, you you go to a a clergyman, uh, a pastor, uh, for for counseling. Uh, uh, You know, you're having difficulties at home. You want to talk to uh, your confessor. Uh, Are you saying that under the letter of the law, this new piece of legislation, that could be banned? Well, the thing is that it's not going to be banned. You're going to have uh, basically one choice, and that's spiritual psychotherapy. You see, because since 2006, they've been spirit washing uh, all of their little nonsense, their psychology and psychiatry, so that now they're claiming that they, uh, 
you will have to be required as a, a practitioner. You'll have to be trained as a spiritual uh, psychotherapist. And and the problem is with uh, psychotherapy is that they use the medical model, which means that you're going to automatically get a diagnosis, a mental health diagnosis. And now, therefore a pill. And therefore you'll get a pill. Well, eventually, of course, you'll get a pill. But the thing is that everybody knows by now that there is no scientific support for any mental health uh, diagnosis. It's one great big fraud. Everybody knows that now. And and um, and same thing with the treatment. There is no scientific support for any of the mental health treatments. Did you know that since the government has gotten involved in promoting um, and uh, mental health uh, the whole mental health business and started um, streaming people to psychiatrists and psychologists that the suicide rate has doubled. Well, listen, a lot of I, people I don't I, know that. Okay, I, I mean, I have I have members of uh, you know the family that have um, mental illness. Most of us do, mm. uh, and and uh, I, I want to be very careful here because listen, I know that it's not for everybody, but it does. Uh, for example. Um, uh, SSRI, secondary serotonin reuptake inhibitors. I know there's a controversy, but it has helped certain people. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, paint with too large a a brush stroke here or too broad a brush stroke. But if we're talking about, for example, a piece of legislation that will require uh, a clergyman uh, to go before this this newly created uh, college of, of psychotherapists, and if they operate anything like the College of Physicians and Surgeons, we know how sort of secret uh, uh, they are. It's like the Kremlin. Uh, I mean, that to me is is the disturbing part. Or if you want to go to, uh, let's say you, you want to quit smoking and you want to go to a, a hypnotherapist, and they have, I mean, I know many people uh, that have had great success yes. with hypnotherapists. Well, you know, um, Richard, it's, they're not going to stop the client, what they're going to do is put the practitioners out of business. So when you come as a client to find somebody, you won't be able to find them. You're going to have to go to a registered psychotherapist. Now, the the government, we can see in the government uh, bureaucrats, we're trying all along to tell this new college and its transitional council in the early days that, hey, hey, wait a minute, you know, we don't intend to uh, legislate or, or force uh, family therapists, marriage counselors, and all uh, spiritual care people uh, to join the college. But in but the public never heard that. The practitioners never heard that. They were told that it was inevitable that they had to join this college. So thousands of them joined because they were so afraid of not being able to continue their work. They were actually told, a family therapist told us, that they were told that if they didn't join this um, college of psychotherapy, that they would not be able to to uh, to operate to, to continue their family therapy business, but also they wouldn't be able to use their titles. They said, if you want to protect your family therapist title, you need to join the college. Well, after they join the college, lo and behold, they make regulations that they have to use the words registered psychotherapist first. So how would you like to go to a, a family therapist thinking you're getting family therapy, and in fact you're going to somebody who's a registered psychotherapist and who has to know all about diagnosis and all the classes of drugs and so on and so forth, and you end up with a mental illness diagnosis that you weren't intending to have just because you wanted to talk about grief or talk about a marriage breakup or whatever it was you wanted to talk about. Right. And they did the same thing with spiritual care workers. 
they've been telling them that they have to join and become a spiritual um, psychotherapist. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to continue. So they're, they're not stopping the public. It's just that by... Um, well, they're restricting my choice. They're restricting well, the choice of, course, of the public. Well, of course, it's a back way. But the worst thing about it is, is that the Constitution absolutely makes it mandatory that if you're going to uh, create a regulation, you must prove that that regulation is necessary. If you're going to impose restrictions on trade and commerce and people's liberties, you absolutely have to prove that there is a danger to the public if you don't do that. Well, in our case, we have we have proof that we are 100% safe, that, that there is no reason for this legislation. And when you start looking back at it, you find out that it's all done in concert with the TPP. The TPP, it's one of its purposes is to... This uh, is the Trans-Pacific Partnership. That's this right. is the world's well, largest tr uh, trade uh, organization once it comes right. into to fruition. And it's one of its purposes, main purposes stated clearly, is that it's going to take the healthcare services of the world... Okay, and make them internationally regulated. And, of course, that'll be regulated according to pharmaceutical drug and, and uh, conventional treatment. And so in order to be able to, to get this TPP to work and to have everything in place when the TPP is ratified, I mean, it's signed, so it's just as good a, as done deal. But, but that's what they had to do, is they had to get all the rest of us, 10,000 uh, or more practitioners, you call them alternative, but actually we were around long before the pharmaceutical drug companies uh, came around. But uh, all of this has to be in place by the time that that TPP is, is ratified so that, in fact, they can just immediately uh, eliminate us, just boom, just like that. Just by another little regulation. So if you're so, a, a past, let's say you're a regression uh, or a hypnotherapist. Let's start I'm with that. I'm a hypnotherapist, yes. Okay, so you're a hypnotherapist, and maybe there's uh, some, uh, you know, some uh, Reiki as well, Reiki therapy. Yes. Um, now, once this comes into effect, you have to go before the, the College of, of Psychotherapists, and do you need to be newly accredited? Do you need to go back to school? Do you need, to, I mean, what's going to happen? Would it take me step by step? Or do you have to pay a license fee to them? Well, that's just it. We're not even going to be allowed because we don't have psychotherapy or psychology or psychiatry or nursing background. None of us have any of that or very few of us have any of that. And we don't have a master's degree. So automatically we're not even permitted to apply. Okay. And, and secondly, uh, we don't do, our work does not allow us to, to use diagnosis or drugs. And one of their uh, uh, standards of practice is that you must know how to diagnose, you must know how to, uh, you know, the, the drug uh, categories and so on and so forth. But so if the you... very stuff that we don't do is exactly what psychotherapy, um, the College of Psychotherapy will be enforcing. But is there even a master's degree available in things like Reiki no. or, no, so... Well, there's not in psychotherapy either. Psychotherapy, there wasn't even uh, common education amongst the people who use. The people who use psychotherapy were mostly psychologists and psychiatrists, okay? And there was the odd lay person that was doing it. But th that's it. It's it essentially just, talk therapy, right? Yeah. It's it was therapy. not a profession at any time until 2006 when they redefined psychotherapy as being uh, a psychological intervention and then all of a sudden made it into a whole profession all on its own by appropriating uh, the work that all other people do. So so that's how they, they, you know, manufactured a profession out of thin air by by taking in and appropriating the rest of us. Now they've got control. And by 
the Controlled Act is unlawful simply because um, they can't control a whole profession. You can only control an act, an activity that is dangerous. There's nothing dangerous about talk therapy. There's not, nobody's ever been killed by talk therapy. No, I mean, uh, ask no- Woody Allen. Woody Allen has been in, in psychoanalysis uh, analysis rather for 60 years. I don't know that it's done him any good, yeah. but, I mean, it certainly hasn't harmed him. I mean, uh, and uh, people well, find great comfort that in that. The petitioner is obligated, obligated to provide the proof that the legislation is required right. in, it, before that they can impose such a thing. And then not just, oh, well, you know, it may be dangerous. And that's exactly how this legislation got started, is in about 2001, I guess it was, uh, a psychologist said, oh, uh, you know, um, psychotherapy may be dangerous. Well, off went these, these uh, advisors, ministry advisors on their horses looking for trouble. And they didn't ask, oh, could you show us the proof? No, 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 no. They said about, you know, oh, we're going to have to legislate this. Oh, my gosh, we're just going to have to regulate this. So with this um, uh, controlled act of psychotherapy, it's not only regulating just one dangerous act, which there isn't any that exists. So today, eight years after the legislation was passed, they still can't identify one single act in psychotherapy or anything else that's that's dangerous. But But... What's happened also is they've corralled every single possible therapy, uh, traditional, holistic, um, spiritual care, energy. They've corralled all that as psychotherapy to be completely controlled by an uh, out-of-control new college. This new college is so non-transparent, so secretive, so absolutely Oh, um, mean with with uh, the rest of the population and with the people who inquire, practitioners who inquire, that when w- they posted on their website that uh, Stop Psychotherapy Takeover was actually misleading and misinforming the public. So we wrote to them and said, well, could you tell us how we're doing that? Because that's the last thing we want to do. And they said, no, nope, uh, our lawyers said we don't have to answer these questions. So we said, okay, how about, you know, you tell us which part of what we're doing is considered to be psychotherapy, is considered to be dangerous, and so on and so forth. Nope, we're not answering that. That's our lawyers advised not to answer that. Well, they want, they want power without accountability, and in my books, that's called tyranny. Absolutely. And there's already 13 colleges that are set up exactly the same way. And uh, under the Ontario regulations uh, proposal, they they were proposing to uh, um, regulate all clinics, defining clinics as any place where health services are provided by one or more persons, okay, in Ontario. They they had actually appropriated money from the colleges to do this pet project, and that project was to completely eliminate all uh, natural therapists. All right, let me just uh, remind listeners uh, that Grace Jobarn is with us. She is the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. The website is stoppsychotherapytakeover.ca, and starting in 2007, um, the uh, the liberal provincial government here in Ontario started to roll out secretly, a series of uh, pieces of legislation to amend, uh, for example, the, um, the uh, registered health, um, the RA, I'm sorry, what is the name regulated of Regulated Health Profession. The Regulated uh, Health Profession Act, yeah. create a college of, of uh, psychotherapists. Uh, and what does that mean? It means that uh, alternative types of, of, of uh, psychotherapy, uh, uh, neuro-linguistic programming, um, 
regression therapy, Reiki, all of these things now will fall under uh, this uh, College of Psychotherapists. And if you don't have a, the proper accreditation, a master's degree, and, and uh, if you're not trained in diagnosis and administering drugs, then you're out of business. This, to me, is very disturbing. Uh, we'll uh, continue to talk about this on the other side. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. We are back with Grace Jo Barn, the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy uh, Takeover, and uh, the website, again, stoppsychotherapytakeover.ca. Uh, let's just uh, give our, our, our listeners a quick tour of that website uh, because, uh, for example, if they want to contact their MPP, you've made it very simple. Just uh, let people know how they can navigate on the website and what they can find there. Well, we try to make it a one-stop shop. Uh, you're going to find uh, links to MPP letters. They're preformed. You just click on them. If you're a practitioner, you can send one that's practitioner uh, designed, another uh, for the citizens. You can subscribe either as a practitioner to get regular updates, or you can subscribe as a uh, citizen non-practitioner. There is also a way for you to help us out uh, financially because what we have to do is we have to build a really good strong fund so that we can fight this in court because this is completely unlawful legislation. It violates the registered health, uh, the regulated health professions act and it reg- uh, violates the constitution. Absolutely. Isn't it interesting that the, uh, you know, during elections, uh, the, the parties never talk about what they are really planning to do, and, the, and they're usually substantial pieces of legislation. They, during the election, they talk about little tiny things that really don't matter. They're what we call political wedges. Uh, but here we have um, these pieces of legislation that the liberals have passed since 2007. Uh, and as you point out on the website, under the law, there now is only one acceptable approach to the treatment of any human disturbance, and that is the medical drug model approved by psychologists and psychiatrists. Now, how many of us are even aware of this in this province? I would say less than 1% of us. This was all done secretly uh, without any discussion during an election. This is absolutely nefarious. Well, this legislation was dumped into a huge omnibus bill, and even the MPPs didn't get a chance to look at it. So you can imagine this has been going on since about 2001, where it's all under the table, and there's just one or two people that are pushing this and pushing this. I mean, when you say that psychotherapists themselves are saying, oh, like, why are we going to be regulated? Why do we have to be regulated? Gee, you know, like, this is weird, but can we sit in on the framing of the legislation? No, you can't. But, uh, you know, to put it in a proper perspective, this is what I'd like to say, is that we want people to have options. We're not saying people shouldn't have options. That Not at all. If you want to have drugs, you should have drugs. Yes, and drugs but, can but, help certain people, but, absolutely. But let a, you need to have the facts before you say, oh, well, you know what, I, I like my psychiatrist and so on and so forth. Once you don't have an option, this is, this is the track record of the only option that's left if this is allowed to stand, Okay. Physicians are more than twice as likely as the general population to commit suicide, with psychiatrists four times as likely as the general population to commit suicide. One in four psychologists consider suicide at least once, and one in 16 have attempted at least one time to kill themselves. Psychologists are also those who have uh, set up the torture programs at Guantanamo Bay, Okay, they're also, along with psychiatrists, the ones that were involved in the false memory scandals, false memory, satanic cult. Those were all uh, manufactured 
okay? Of, this is going to really scare a lot of people. Of the physicians who committed suicide, 42% were being treated by a conventional mental health professional at the time of death. Uh, no, but the, one of the reasons why they're saying they have to legislate us is because, uh, you know, they have to um, be sure that the, the public is safe. Well, there's no history of alternatives ever being involved in anything like that. All right. I but that's... I think one of the uh, a very telling statistic that's on the website has to do with the, the success of the alternative fields of, of, um, of psychotherapy. You quote that it has become a $7 billion industry uh, as millions yeah. of people are, are, are voting with their feet or their dollars, if you will, well, leaving conventional treatment and going into things like, uh, um, you know, for pain management, maybe they're going to exactly. hypnotherapy or they're going to, yeah. to, to Reiki. We're this not is, alternative. We are not alternative forms of psychotherapy, Richard. That's I understand. Really, well, yeah. what I, what, I use that word because when we talk about, you know, the conventional treatments, we all know what we mean. We mean the drug model. So that I don't mean it in a in a uh, pejorative uh, no. way at all. No, uh, uh, I mean the conventional orthodox medicine and then alternative treatments, which is I need an alternative. I need another way of doing things. That's all I mean by that. That's right. Okay, but a seven billion dollar industry. This to me uh, is is the motive for this. Correct. This is why they're well. Richard, we don't cost we don't cost the taxpayer one single cent, not one. It's all out of pocket. Exactly. Uh, that's right, and so that is a profit that pharmaceutical drug companies would really like to keep in their pocket. I mean, let's face it, that's a lot of money. Oh, I'll if say. All of the people that we see end up on on drugs or in conventional treatment, then the taxpayer is going to pay the whole the whole shebang and. The pharmaceutical drug companies are eventually going to have more and more customers. All right. And uh, when we come back, we'll talk about why Ontario and why listeners in other parts of Canada to this show and in the United States should be concerned about this. This is not simply a provincial matter. Back with more of my conversation with Grace Jobarn, co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover, here on The Conspiracy Show. And we are back uh, with Grace Jobarn, who is the co-founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. Again, let me... Uh, um, make you aware of the website. It's stoppsychotherapytakeover.ca. And um, I mentioned before the break uh, that this is not just a provincial matter, but why, why are they doing it here in Ontario? You, you said there, there is a connection between this and the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, the TPP, uh, to yes. make this sort of uh, you know, globally universal. Why Ontario first? Well, the documentation that we found is that uh, suggests that whatever happens in Ontario is going to go right across Canada. It will be the template. Uh, we have the biggest population. We have the biggest population of natural therapists here. Okay, and um, most of the money that's spent on natural therapies is spent in Ontario. So this is where um, they have to stop us. They actually have to stop natural therapies. Now, uh, in the TTP. Uh, the TPP, sorry, uh, it's very clear. It states that it wants to um, take all of health care, all of health care worldwide and regulate it internationally, okay, as one type, one, just the conventional treatment that we know of in, in uh, North America. Uh, that's very, very clear. At the same time, what happened is in 1992, uh, Prime Minister Mulroney went down to Rio and signed Canada over to the UN. So we have essentially 
the UN operating as a shadow government, and that's what we're seeing now in Ontario. Well, that's true. So, they are they're controlling immigration oh, yeah, policy absolutely. across and, the, and uh, North not, America. They're, yeah, they're not trying to be secretive about it. They're telling you straight. At the same time, they set up uh, some organizations. One of the ones that we found out about is called CLEAR, C-L-E-A-R. And what they do is they train bureaucrats and, and authority figures, such as the uh, registrars of various uh, health care colleges and everything, in how to basically undermine our domestic laws and enforce international regulations. So... That's why we saw in, in the documentation that we received where the minister, the um, uh, uh, policy analyst at the Ministry of Health in Ontario must have been pulling their hair out of their head trying to say, look, this is the law. This is, you know, this is the way it's supposed to be. You can't do this. You know, you need to, to comply with this and comply with that. And basically, the, the new college is just saying, we'll do it our own way, and they're telling the public something entirely different. Who's appointing the members of this College of Psychotherapists? Uh, the minister. And, and, and uh, who are, uh, these are again, these are uh, clinical psychiatrists? Uh, well, yeah, for the... Uh, it was medical doctors? At the, well, no, we didn't see any medical doctors on there, but I'll tell you, the psychologists were pushing it all the way. Um, as a matter of fact, at, at the very beginning, it was one psychologist plus the minister who put forward this referral to their advisors and basically said, here, we want this done, uh, get it done. And then for the next um, eight years, that's what they did. If this sounds from these omnibus bills that are that are rammed through in secret, uh, Mm -hmm. sounds familiar. Uh, Many of us will remember the federal uh, bill C-51, which was uh, to bring Canada into compliance with something called the Codex Elementarius. And this this had to do with with uh, vitamins and food supplements to the point where food was being uh, uh, categorized as a drug. And under the letter of the law, uh, for example, if you were to give your son a blueberry because it's rich in antioxidants, I mean, that could be considered against the law because you're administering a drug. That's how ridiculous it gets. Yes. Uh, Now, you've you've had this piece of legislation looked at by a legal team. What, yes. what did they tell you? Oh, they said that uh, when this goes to court, it will definitely be, uh, you know, it will be definitely be set aside simply because it, do- it violates every provision of the Constitution and of the Registered Health Professions Act itself. But don't forget, once this TPP becomes enforced, then it supersedes basically our we're without right. our Constitution and we're without anything because these TPPs, these uh, trade deals, what they're about is to over- undermine and completely override our domestic laws. Right, it's the destruction and, and of the, the nation state. So. Exactly, and and you wonder how our bureaucrats would be able to do that, but the thing is that they're trained by these international agencies in how to do that, and CLEAR is one of them. And we learned that, um, you know, a card-carrying member of CLEAR is the registrar of this new college of psychotherapy. And, of course, it, it answers for us all the many reasons why she's saying the exact opposite to what the bureaucrats are telling her. They're telling her one thing in the background, and we can show you where, at the same time, she's telling us the exact opposite. The exact opposite. She's saying that it's inevitable. It must be, uh, you know, family therapists must join the college, and spiritual care must join the college, and so on and so forth. If it wasn't for all these people being coerced into joining this college, this college would have 57 people. (laughs) You know? Right. So, again, just so I can make this clear to, to listeners how it'll affect them. Let's say, for example, um, you're suffering from chronic pain, 
and you, you've had it up to here with all of the drugs. The medication is leaving you in a fog. You're debilitated. Uh, you decide, I don't want to do drugs anymore. And so you seek um, a different way. Uh, and you go to, uh, to see someone who's um, uh, a regression therapist, a hypnotherapist, mm-hmm. uh, and they're helping you manage your pain. Uh, perhaps you're, you're, you're getting some um, uh, massage Reflexology, Reflexology, Reiki, Reiki, all of these things. Now, unless that person is a registered with the College of Psychotherapists, newly created by the province, and they have a master's degree at least in these fields, if there is such a thing, unless they have those things, they're out of business, you can't go see them. Oh, uh, just a minute now. Even if you join, even if I was to join the college uh, and become a registered psychotherapist, I would not be able to to offer the same services. I would have to offer only those services um, per, uh, permitted by the College of Psychotherapy. And the services that I offer are not uh, permitted by this, uh, the College of Psychotherapy. I can only offer what it is that is within the scope of practice as defined by this college. And this college is totally um, unaccountable. They can make any rules or regulations that they want. And so Consequently, what we've got here is we've got at least 13 healthcare colleges set up by this government that there's no reason for them to exist at all. The uh, costs are downloaded to the patient, and you don't have your choice of, of patient uh, of uh, practitioner. And, and again, the college's choice. These practitioners must uh, must be schooled in diagnosis and right. and basically prescribing drugs. Exactly. Well, because tomorrow the college can say, okay, um, you have to have this, you have to have that, and you're going to be doing it this way and that way, and you know what? Energy medicine is out, and um, you're going to do spiritual psychotherapy the way we tell you to do spiritual psychotherapy. But you're telling me that a clergyman might be forced to write a prescription? Well, eventually, why not? They have a full... full, uh, the full power to do whatever they want, set up whatever reg- regulation they want at any time. They're not accountable to anybody once they're set up. But I mean, is that is that the letter of the law? That, that well, the letter of the law is uh, until it's defeated in court or until we get this uh, controlled act uh, repealed. What we're trying to do, okay, is we're trying to get this controlled act of psychotherapy repealed before it's proclaimed, so it never comes into force. It's law, but so that it never can be enforced. And we're trying to get safe harbor legislation, such as they have in California and I think Minnesota and a couple of other places where psychologists tried exactly the same thing. Okay, now the Controlled Act has gone through two readings in the provincial legislature? No, 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 it's law. It's gone through all the readings. It became law, okay? It became law in 2007. The proclamation is that final little signature of the lieutenant governor of Ontario when he signs off is John Henry on those documents they are enforceable so the minister of health ordered the um, lieutenant governor to sign to proclaim the psychotherapy act there's only the controlled act of psychotherapy that's left to proclaim Okay. okay so they just require the signature of the lieutenant governor yeah it's just a formality Okay. Now, when, I mean, this could happen any day. It could be several weeks. It might already have happened because he did it to us with the Psychotherapy Act. We asked for the date, and uh, 10 days after they had already proclaimed it, then they told the public. 
So they, they might have done it already. So uh, for people that are totally unaware of this, they're not going to realize what's going on until they go to see their hypnotherapist and the, 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 the shop has been shuttered. Uh, exactly. Or they go to the Reiki uh, therapist and they're no longer there. Exactly. Are they exactly. going to have? Are they going to have? I know with uh, with Bill C fifty one, and I'm not sure what the status of that is. We sort of lost track of that. I think that may have died on the uh, the order table during an election. Well, I'll tell you, nothing is going to die that's going to give uh, the international powerhouses, um, you know, their power. They, right. This is already in place. Um, once um, Prime Minister Mulroney signed off in Rio, that was it. Uh, the UN has been operating as a shadow government, and there's, it, it's, you know, the evidence is everywhere. These acts are going to go through. They've gone through. Uh, the only way they're going to stop is if the public gets absolutely outraged. But they're really smart. They're really clever, Richard. What they're doing is they're doing it a little bit at a time. Yes, it's gradu- okay. gradualism. Yes. Yeah. You know that old saying, you know, you can boil a frog if you just do it really, really slowly. He won't try to hop out of the water. That's right. Yes. And... Um, and that's exactly what they've done. And as we look at all this documentation, all this research we've done over the two years, or I'm sorry, over, yeah, the two years, it is just stunning how clever these people are. They coordinate everything. I mean, when you take a whole dictionary of psycho- psychology and redefine um, a mere talk therapy and make it into a profession, practically overnight, so that you can legitimize this new profession. Right. Uh, it's it's just stunning uh, how clever that they are. But not they're to not going to let go. Like I mean, they're like a dog with a bone. Right. You know, I don't want to be. F- I don't want to be flippant, but just to sort of further, you know, you know uh, illustrate the point. It's like you know, people used to go down to the the pub and uh, they wanted to bend the bartender's ear, and uh, he'd sit there and listen, mm-hmm. uh, listen to the person's problems. So I guess under this new act that the bartender would have to go before the uh, the College of Psychotherapists and, and uh, make sure he has a master's degree, and uh, it's, it's, it really boggles the mind. Now, well, what, give people an assignment. What do you want them to do, Grace? Well, I would like everyone to get on there, send their letters to the MPPs, get on the phone, and, and make these MPPs earn their pay, because what they're doing is they're just brushing us off. They're saying, oh, just contact the college. Well, this is about our personal liberties. This is about 10,000 people, mostly women, going to be thrown out of work simply because they are successful and the public loves them. That's why they're being thrown out of, out of work. And uh, so it means that people have to get really outraged and really start putting the pressure to their MPPs to come up with a better solution than to just blow us off. And we need the funding, folks. We really, really do. We can't do this alone. We've been doing most of it out of pocket. But uh, this affects 14 million Ontarians, and I guarantee you, that from the documentation we have seen that this is the template and this will go across Canada in nothing flat. That's the purpose of this legislation. Uh, they're, they're bargaining on Canadians and especially Ontarians not paying attention. They're bargaining on us just going, oh, well, you know, it's just a reiki. Well, yeah, you know, well, we need to be protected. And, you know, well, yeah, you know, the government means well. Well, the thing is that the more protected that they're trying to convince us that we that we need to be, uh, the more danger that we're we're stepping into. This is extremely dangerous. You and know, Grace, I, I, I gotta I gotta wrap it up here. I just uh, I want to give the website one more time. Yes. Stop psychotherapy. 
takeover.ca. Stop yes. psychotherapy takeover.ca. Grace, I really appreciate your time, and we'll do a follow up program on this down the road. I'd love to do that because there's just so much to ta- talk about. <laughs> All right, Grace, thank you again. Thank you for the opportunity. Bye right. bye. Re- bye. Grace Joe Barn, the co founder of Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. All right, the website, strangeplanet.ca. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett, and as always, follow the truth. Live from Toronto, Canada. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett from Zuma Radio, AM 740. Thanks for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, taxi, RV, camper, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, or your cabin in the woods. We're coming to you from Toronto, Canada, and the mighty Zuma Radio, 50,000 watts, and we're heard all across Ontario, south to the Carolinas, and from Maine to Minnesota on this remarkable clear channel one of the largest broadcast footprints in all of North America. A special hello to to, uh, those of you listening in on one of our affiliate stations or to the podcast available at iTunes, TuneIn.com, Stitcher Radio, TalkZone.com, the Conspiracy Show app, the Zuma Radio app, those listening and watching, watching the live stream on YouTube through our HOA, Hangout on Air. However and wherever you're listening, I bid thee welcome. Uh, recently, I was uh, talking about changes underway in the province of Ontario to the way in which non-medical therapies are going to be regulated. Uh, this would include touch therapy, energy healing, Reiki, talk therapies, spiritual counseling, aromatherapy, reflexology. All of this uh, will be regulated by the College of Psychotherapists, and they will have enforcement powers. And some are arguing, some, Uh, such as the people behind uh, an organization called Stop Psychotherapy Takeover. They're arguing that this will result in the banning of most alternative healing modalities, uh, first here in Ontario, and then this will spread across the country. Uh, Well, two such practitioners uh, of alternative healing are in studio with me, Dr. Lana Marconi and Dr. Sabina DeVita, and we'll talk about alternative modes of healing in a documentary film called The Wellness Story in just a few moments. Uh, Let me remind you to get on up to the website, strangeplanet.ca, check out the radio page for this program, that's The Conspiracy Show. There's also a TV section where you can find out more about my television program, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And if you're in Canada, you can watch previous episodes right there. Uh, The Bilderbergs, my next live event, coming Sunday, April 17th at the U of T. Uh, Go to the live events page for more information on this exclusive live event with Daniel Estulin, and you can order your tickets online, once again, at strangeplanet.ca. The Bilderbergs, Sunday, April the 17th at the U of T. Dr. Lana Marconi and Dr. Sabina DeVita, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you, Richard. It's fabulous to be here. Thank you. It's delightful to be here with you. We're going to dial it back to 2015, the summer of 2015, and your first documentary, uh, Dr. Marconi, and that was The Wellness Story. Just give us a sense of, of what you were trying to accomplish with that film. Sure. Well, the film integrates the voices of 29 health experts, including the fabulous Dr. Sabina DeVita, who's with us in studio today. And really, it was driven by three factors. One, at my dismay at the outrageous rising disease statistics in Canada and worldwide. 
And two, I was doing my own health show and I had the opportunity to interview numerous health experts in the field and I thought how wonderful I'm learning so much information from these people information I didn't even know and how amazing would it be to stream their voices together in one documentary that could help people with the skills and knowledge to take control and health to take control of their own health and thirdly um, doing a documentary allowed me to express myself artistically so that's really what drove the documentary and uh Dr. DeVita, mm-hmm. you you wrote an interesting thesis um, when you That's were in, in university that had to do with brain allergies. That's I've correct. never heard that term before. What are brain allergies? Well, that's, that's really a great question because it, it is an actually an allergy. It's a sensitivity or an intolerance as well that affects the brain and particularly any type of psychopathology in terms of states and feelings and emotions, uh, mental states. And it actually does make a change in terms of uh, mood swings, uh, even uh, any type of dis- really any type of mental condition. And that really can be set off by an environmental pollutant or contaminant or even an allergen to a food or a substance, drink, anything of that sort can actually literally spear off or, you know, create this type of reaction. Well, there, there are so many syndromes now. It, That's it correct. seems to me there is a syndrome for every behavior. Uh, and uh, if there's a syndrome, they'll come up with a pill for it. Uh, so are you suggesting that, that things, mood disorders, for example, like uh, uh, depression or even things like uh, attention deficit disorder, which is uh, this huge umbrella term uh, that just basically means when I was a kid, it means you can't sit still and that's perfectly normal. Uh, but is that all a part of what you're talking about with these cerebral allergies? Correct. You're right on. That's absolutely what I'm talking about. And I'm actually one of the examples because I was experiencing it myself. I would eat certain foods and all of a sudden I just felt like crying. And I thought, but I was happy before. I was smiling. What's what's going on with me? And what I realized as I discovered for myself that I was having a lot of these allergies and particularly when I ate foods that had a lot of preservatives in them or they had pesticides, herbicides, and the whole gamut of, you know, of the contaminants that we're exposed to today. It's even worse. And what I decided to do was to really research others. And what I discovered was horrific. Richard, what I discovered was that there are numbers of people, and you mentioned a couple of those conditions. Depression is, is specifically one. I can tell you so many stories of different clients, even in my research, who would have mood disorders or mood swings just by inhaling something as a aftershave, you know, and then all of a sudden feel depressed. Was it or is it really depression or is it really a reaction? And what I delved into was exactly that. And the research is just filled with oodles of documents and and studies of that direct link. And that's the reason it's called brain allergies. And that term, by the way, came from Dr. Philpott, who is a psychiatrist. At the time when I was doing my research, he was well known in his discovery of what was taking place. This is now going back 25 years ago. What he discovered with, with what was happening with people who were being labeled with a psychiatric you know, problem and in fact were actually having a reaction. 
I'd like to bring yes. up the idea of polypharmacy. <clears throat> Excuse me, Dr. Erica Robinson, a naturopathic in the Wellness Story documentary, um, she was saying that she sees people come in on multiple medications, two, five, ten, even 20 different medications. And she goes on to say in the documentary that you get symptoms and diseases as a result of being on too many pharmaceuticals, whereby they are all just interacting with each other. Plus, patients are given drugs to help the side effects of the other drugs which is obviously very, very absurd. But here's just a couple of quick facts for you. In terms of medication, the Journal of the American Medical Association has stated that prescription pills are the fourth leading cause of death in America and in Canada next to cancer, heart disease, and stroke. In Canada, prescription pills cause about 10,000 deaths a year. Another 10,000 deaths a year in Canada are thought to occur outside of hospitals due to the wrong drug, dosage errors, and adverse reaction. One out of four admissions to internal medicine in Canada and Canadian hospitals is related to prescription drugs, 70% of which are preventable. And Canadians spend more on prescription drugs, $24 billion, than on doctors, $18 billion. Wow. That's, uh, that's alarming to say the least. Uh, I think most of us are aware of these, uh, <laughs> these things, but nothing seems to change. You know, your film, the wellness story, and and again, you have twenty nine. Uh, is it safe to call them, or fair to call them, alternative health practitioners, or do you have anyone from mainstream medicine in this film? I have a medical doctor, but he became a Zen Buddhist master. So he he was actually a renowned um, surgeon in Toronto. He lives in Oakville. He's retired now, and. Um, he was struggling with different things in his own practice and his own life. So he turned to Eastern philosophy for that, which set him on the road to becoming a Zen Buddhist master. And he teaches people mindfulness meditation. And he really understands the concept that the mind and body are not separate, which is what Western medicine perceives that there's a duality. Whereas in the Eastern philosophies, the mind and body are one, your emotions, you know, affect your body and your body affects your emotions. So I do have him in that. The rest of the doctors are from alternative medicine, chiropractors, osteopaths, traditional Chinese medical doctors. And what's really interesting is you get different spins on different um, topics in terms of food, for example. So let me just talk about food for a minute because there's so many misconceptions out there about food. One of the chiropractors Dr. Nancy Krennic talks about, you know, the importance of creating an alkaline body because if your body is acidic, you're going to create the breeding ground for disease such as cancer. And she brings in what's called the China study where they looked at human consumption of meat and human health. And basically this guy, Dr. Campbell, found that when he gave rats 20% casein from dairy for 12 weeks, they showed signs of liver tumor growth. And when he gave rats only 5% of casein over 12 weeks, they had no cancer. Then over three weeks, he gave those rats 20% casein and they showed signs of cancer cancer, and we gave those same rats 5% of casein, the tumor shrank. So he concluded that we can turn on and off cancer cells with the amount of animal protein. And he did find when he gave rats 20% plant protein from soybeans, the beans did not promote cancer. So animal protein, it's clear, creates cancer in the body if if you're having too much of it. So that was an important point that was made in the documentary. And other healthcare practitioners go on to talk about the type of diet that's good for them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, for example, from the Chinese medical perspective, they talk about grains are very important. Like rice is a huge staple in their diet. And if you're going to eat vegetables, it's better to eat them cooked because 
you'll create dampness in the body, which ex- which affects your spleen and stomach chi, for example. But on the other hand... So he's not a raw food person. But I do have a raw foodie in the film, and she is actually a nurse that practices um, downtown Toronto in the hospital there, and she had stomach problems, and so she ended up learning about raw food diet, and that's what helped her. So you get all these various perspectives, but when you walk away from the film, you could you take a little bit of what each person is saying, because at the end of the day, Richard, everybody is biochemically a bit different, and certain diets are going to work for certain people. What about the idea mm-hmm. of matching your blood type to your diet? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you subscribe to that? I do to some extent. I think that uh, Dr. Lana just pointed that out, that, you know, there are a lot of other variables and we do need to look at those. Uh, There's also what we call body typing besides the blood type. And that also has an impact. And then there's the Ayurvedic system, you know, with the three different uh, doshas. And also the five element system, which is again in the meridian or the Chinese oriental system. So it's all a matter of what's going on. I also come back to the fact of what is the person's history like and the emotional history in particular. I do want to talk about that and and the connection between uh, consciousness and and health. We'll uh, do that when we come back on the other side. The Conspiracy Show, Dr. uh, Sabina DeVita and Dr. Lana Marconi, my guests. Stay with us. We are back with Dr. Sabina DeVita and Dr. Lana Marconi, and the documentary film is The Wellness Story. Where can people uh, view that? Uh, you can go on my website, drlana.com, and it's available digitally on uh, Vimeo to rent or to buy. Drlana.com, L-A-N-A. Yeah, and it's D-R-L-A-N-A. D-R-L-A-N-A.com. All right. Uh, we were about to launch into a discussion about the connection. This is a huge topic, obviously, mm-hmm. but the connection between uh, consciousness and disease. Uh, is there hard, hard evidence uh, that there is a, that the disease, for example, begins in how we think, the, the mind-body connection. Oh, heart math. Oh, oh. you go ahead. Well, <laughs> I was just going to, you know, quote from um, Martin Luther King, who actually said, and he said it so eloquently, that heavy thoughts bring on physical maladies. When the soul is oppressed, so is the body. Hmm. And I love that quote because it really, I think combines or summarizes a lot of what's gone on for eons, really, in understanding, going back to the time of the Oriental system or practices, they understood that everything was interrelated and that as such, that what we are thinking does have that relationship with a particular area of our body and, our, of course, our emotional body as well. And where I'd like to go with this a little bit, uh, Richard, is in, the, is in the fact of a technology that actually was discovered back 20 years plus ago in Russia that was able to actually measure what's going on in one's energy field. And the energy field is the subtle body. It's basically a way to actually see what is going on with the thought patterns. And those thought patterns literally do impact the physical reality. So if someone is a very negative person, they're constantly whinging, complaining, everything that comes out of their mouth is uh, either um, a complaint or it could be a a criticism, a negative person. Sometimes we refer to them as energy vampires. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that person then uh, statistically more likely to be suffering from some disease like cancer? I can answer that. Please go ahead. Because I love heart math and the research that comes out of the research that comes out of heart math, which is in California. 
And basically, one of their studies took participants and they trained these participants to feel negative emotions like anger, jealousy, rage. And what they found is that when these people felt these Mm -hmm. negative emotions, their DNA tightened and contracted and it lowered their immune system response. And that sets you up for illness. And when they trained participants to feel good emotions like compassion and joy and happiness, the DNA expanded, which heightened the immune system response. And that's what you want to create, you know, a healthy body. So your thoughts and your emotions affect the physical body. There's hundreds of studies out there, Richard, that show the mind-body connection. And I'd like to add to that because along with the HeartMath Institute, which they conducted, they actually showed what happens just with five minutes of anger. Right, right. It lowers the DHEA, which is our hormone for act- that we produce to feel alive, to feel healthy, and actually it's our rejuvenation hormone. It actually decreases, and our cortisol levels go up. But what they also found was that just five minutes, it took the body six hours to come back to normal. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. Yes, but, indeed. But th- that, again, that's only one part of the equation. I oh, mean, absolutely. Your, you, but- your immune uh, system could be good, but again, if, you're, if you have a very acidic... Uh, system, your cellular chemistry, I guess, is very acidic, Uh, your diet's wrong, Uh, you're not getting exercise, you're not breathing properly, Uh, it's not maybe going to make that big a difference, right? It all accumulates, and every part really does have an impact. And, you know, and I, I'm just coming back to a, a little bit back to what I said earlier about the energy field, because we have a way to actually see what's going on in the energy field. Your aura. Your, yes. I would say that's probably our street language. We would call it our aura. I'm very street. Yeah, you'll so know, we'll you'll learn that. that about me. I'm very street. <laughs> that's wonderful. So, <laughs> but in terms of the, you know, the, the scientific model, of course, they refer to it as the energy field. But yes, the aura uh, what, with what we can see, and it really does impact. It's amazing because I have done a tremendous amount of before and afters with people, uh, be it with cell phones, thoughts, emotions, and just what happens in their aura is amazing. And they can come in with big holes, gaps. We do the opposite, of course, in having them feel positive, think differently. And guess what? We see the contraction. I, of course, use a lot of other different uh, modalities with it. But we see the change immediately. Again, the opposite can happen if they're thinking or feeling a negative thought or way. It will also open in the field, meaning that they are basically creating a negative pattern in their energy body. Now, orthodox medicine, orthodox science, here in the West at least, does not recognize these subtle energies, correct? Not to the extent that they, I would say that they need to. What I found fascinating, Richard, and being in Russia, is that this, for example, this technology, which comes out of Russia, was developed over 20 years ago. And back in the year of 2000, the Ministry of Health in Russia actually passed this device as a diagnostic tool to be used in their hospitals. Yeah, it's unfortunate, Richard, that students today are given a textbook in in school and they're learned and and 
you know, you learn about your circulatory system, your endocrine system, your digestive system. And the system that's actually missing is your energy system. And when after I released the wellness story, I launched a petition to get signatures for people to sign so we can start to create a legislation whereby we can actually finally bring the energy system into the high schools so kids can actually learn about that part of their body. Is this related to Karelian photography? Correct. I saw uh, on uh, Anderson Cooper, uh, Anderson Cooper uh, 360, and there was a uh, a woman there that wanted to, to photograph or video Anderson Cooper's aura or his subtle energy. And of course, as you can expect, being someone firmly ensconced in the um, mainstream media, he was kind of guffawing at it and and uh, sort of looking askew as, as this was taking place. Um, but explain what is going on when we're photographing someone's subtle energy. What are we looking at? What does it all mean? I think, Sabina, in, in the wellness story, we yes, showed two photos of what are called her biograms. And mm-hmm. one was a woman, I think a pregnant pregnancy woman or miscarriage. Miscarriage. And you can see it. I don't know if you want to explain that. And the other one was a discarnate entity. Mm-hmm. So there was two. That's true. That's true. And there's so many, so many more cases. You know, I just wanted to make a comment before I do go into those cases that this particular technology that we're talking about is actually a bioelectrography unit or technology device. And it is actually based on what's called the gas discharge visualization technique. I know it's a mouthful. Being that it's coming from scientific, a scientific field, but developed by a physicist, Dr. Konstantin Karatkov, who spent years with his team to identify by measuring what comes off of the fingertips in terms of photons and electrons and being able to capture it with a camera. And it's, it's quite an intricate interplay, but it's so fascinating in what they have been able to capture and then being able to correlate it to the organ systems of the body based on the Oriental Chinese acupuncture system. And this was uh, initiated by Dr. Reinhard Volk, who started his initiation of measuring fields a different way, different uh, system uh, in Germany. And then, of course, Dr. Peter Mandel, who furthered that work. Dr. Konstantin Karatkov came into this and developed the technology even further and actually corrected some of the information and actually proved that what the Chinese meridians are all about was absolutely accurate. And that's what, to me, is so fascinating, to the point that this technology was used by the Olympic athletes in Russia, the Sokai Games, which most of us are familiar with. They used this device with training and in their training programs for their athletes. So how how does a bioelectrography uh, work as a, di- a diagnostic tool? Uh, give me an example. Right. Well, we, we, we prefer to say, rather than diagnostic, we like to say it's an, uh, an assessment tool rather than diagnostic. Because what we're seeing are patterns that can lead to something, such as it can be an illness. But we're seeing patterns beforehand. And so one of the cases that I certainly had in the wellness story was a case of a woman who uh, had an opening, quite a wide gap opening in her field. And when I investigated further, it was an issue actually of, of, um, there were two cases. One was trauma. She was sexually abused. She thought she had healed it. She thought that she had done a lot of the psychotherapy work behind it and the emotional work behind it, but it was still there in her field. So as I saw that, 
I again, of course, pointed this out to her, and she immediately felt, she could feel it, that no, it was not fully healed. And it was at that point that I was able to assist her by visually seeing it. You know, we have the old ex- expression, uh, picture is worth a thousand words. Right. And so she could see it. And that visual to her own subconscious literally raised up a whole other level of awareness that allowed her to really go into that experience in a different way. And then I used a series of smells, essential oils, along with it, because it goes direct to the subconscious, again, to the midbrain, that emotional center, and she was literally able to shift it. I took a picture of her afterwards, and it was closed. Well, how do you make the connection between a, a physical, psychological trauma and a, and a gap in, in someone's subtle energy field? Well, it all depends how it shows up in the energy field, number one, because of the subtle bodies. There are basic colors in what we look at, and they literally denote what level of trauma. Basic, basically, is it an emotional, mental, or physical? And usually what we're seeing in terms of patterns is it always starts somewhere in the psyche, meaning it's in some level of their consciousness or their subconscious. You know, we have an old expression that says all disease truly originates from consciousness or not being aware of it, but it is literally hidden often to people or they purposely will suppress it. So if that is not, uh, if, if a psychological, emotional, physical, well, let's leave the physical out for a moment. Let's just talk about the mind and emotional and psychological trauma. If, if that is not resolved, if someone's carrying that around with them, and I'm British, so I like to like suppress my feelings like until they, you know, they're like a hard diamond. <laughs> That's just the way I do it. That's the way I roll. Dr. Right. DeVita. Yes. So <laughs> uh, does that mean that if I continue to do that, that could manifest itself uh, down the road as some, I don't know, a malignancy or? It could. It, it certainly will show up in at some level and we would see it. You know, it would show up in this particular pattern of an energy disturbance because it is there. It's not something that can be what you think is hidden. Right. Is you know, that's only that 5 to 10%. But the rest of you, you see, the subconscious mind is 95% really of you. It's your physical body as well, your nerves, your organs, your system, your glandular system. Everything that happens is literally scripted into all of your being in the DNA itself. So when we're talking about any of this type of energy disturbance, we're really seeing the map. And that's what I refer to as these patterns, these energy disturbances and patterns. The beauty is, is that we now have a device, a technology that allows us to truly see what's happening. And from that, we can then begin to accelerate the awareness for the individual and also the healing process. What's and, it, what's, sorry, go ahead. So I just want to add to that because, I mean, it's fabulous, everything that you're saying and... It takes a lot of energy from the individual to maintain that suppression of that emotion, <clears throat> whereby that energy could be going towards actualizing that person's potential. 
Excellent yes. point. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll take a time out when we come back. You, you touched on essential oils, and I'm smelling a lot of essential oils in this room, so I want to find out what those are all about. I, I kid you not, uh, two weeks ago, the mighty Aphrodite had me running all over town to find patchouli, but not just any patchouli. Uh, if it doesn't have the right, there's a particular kind of patchouli that she needs and, and we can't find. So anyway, we'll talk about essential oils and also this electronic smog uh, that we're living in with Wi-Fi and cell phones and microwave ovens. We'll find out what uh, impact that's having on our health as well. Dr. Sabina DeVita and Lana, Dr. Lana Marconi right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away with Dr. Lana Marconi, and the film is The Wellness Story. Again, how can we see that? DrLana.com. That's D-R-L-A-N-A.com. All right, and Dr. Sabina DeVita is uh, with us. Uh, I want to talk about essential oils. You mentioned that uh, you can use essential oils, and they go uh, immediately to the midbrain, uh, and they can have some sort of a healing effect. Uh, I know nothing about essential oils, except that uh, the mighty Aphrodite has... um, is very keen on finding patchouli. So uh, how do these work exactly? Uh, who can, well, who can... let me just start off by saying that um, I, I need to before my sister, because my sister's going to be listening to this radio show, so I need to thank New World Botanicals that sponsored, um, who was the major sponsor for the wellness story, and New World Botanicals is my sister's company in Mississauga, and they do create um, essential oils. These are different essential oils than Dr. Sabina DeVita uses, and so I'm going to hand it off to her to explain um, the scientific background to essential oils. Absolutely. Well, in a couple of minutes, of course, that's a big job, but basically um, I, you know, started to use essential oils, I would say, back about 18, 19 years ago because I was looking for something that would assist me in the work that I was doing with past regression. And it's a very interesting tool that I was using at the time in terms of colors and sounds in order to assist a person in that process. And smell was a big part of it. I didn't realize to what extent, but what I learned was that our emotional center, which we, as I mentioned earlier, the midbrain, literally is the uh, sort of our housing, it's our, it's our center for incoming data, but it also holds our emotions. Basically, it is our center for that. And smell is direct. It goes to that part of the brain in mid-seconds. That's true. I, there's no sense, I, I, I believe, that is, is as evocative as a sense of smell. Just a quick example. Uh, when I hear, or when I smell, I don't know if you, if I'm, if I, when I describe it, you'll know what I mean, but that musty apple smell, mm-hmm. uh, it takes me immediately back to my grandparents because they stored bushels of apples in the garage. So when I smell that musty apple smell, it, I'm right there. Uh, it's amazing. You're right. Yes, it is. And, and that's what I discovered, again, going back 18, 19 years ago. But remember I said about allergies, I was so concerned that I didn't like I didn't like any of the aromatherapy products out on the market at that time because many of them do have solvents. Uh, Many of them are uh, either grown on perhaps pesticided land as well, but it's also the way that they've been distilled with, with, you know, other kinds of chemicals. But so I was really leery about using something in my practice for that, you know, with the oils, uh, knowing that they could be contaminated. I finally did find uh, a company at that time. It was Young Living. And they pointed out that they are organic farms, eco-sustainable farms. We grow our own, absolutely pure. And guess what? We can actually even ingest them. They're dietary supplements at the same time. So sublingually? Yes, uh... absolutely. So 
that intrigued me, and I felt that this was something I definitely needed to investigate, which I did, of course, and have been involved ever since. And what we've now evolved to is, of course, this, this, this whole gamut of ways to use the oils, which I have been doing, and also the many different ways we can use the oils in our healing process. So give me an example. I mentioned patchouli. I have no idea what it, where it comes from. Uh, I, I think this particular patchouli that I bought for her many years ago was Egyptian. And now she can't find it, the, the same patchouli with the exact same smell. Patchouli but, was very, was very um, well-known back in the 60s because it was all about, you know, make love, not war. And I know patchouli because we have it in our aphrodisiac blend. Ah, that's why she's <laughs> after it. Right, and, and patchouli <laughs> is like a small, like, shrub, really. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's why it, it's, you know, it's about, it has... The story around it has to do with lovemaking. <laughs> well, and it also has some other practical purposes, too, because I use it as my underarm deodorant. So, <laughs> so that would be really interesting now. <laughs> Making love with the world, though. <laughs> okay, so give me another example, though. Uh, uh, an essential oil. And I, uh, we were in, in, a, in a health food store today, and we were looking at these essential oil diffusers. And uh, again, we were looking for patchouli. But give me an example of a specific essential oil and, and, and how it can remedy uh, or assist in healing of a particular ailment. Well, you know, I'm thinking right now of, say, frankincense. We have two types of frankincense, frankincense and sacred frankincense, which comes from Oman. And we're the only company that actually does export that from Oman to the Western world. And that has so many different applications in terms of its healing purposes. It's known biblically to literally cure, it's so-called cure, but aid any anything from a uh, broken head to uh, sore foot. You know, it's like it, it just has that span. Today's there's there's tremendous amount of research just in the area of frankincense and cancer and tumors. I've and I recently read an article about that. Yeah, tell me more. Frankincense well, and cancer. Absolutely. Now, I have been privy to be involved with a researcher, uh, uh, Dr. Lin, H.K. Uh, Lin, uh, who has been a university professor in, um, uh, I believe it was in Arizona, and he has been researching the area of within essential oils, particularly frankincense and its role in cancer. Um, fortunately, we do have another professor. I'm kind of letting the secret out of the bag, uh, but she has been, she's in Canada. She's actually in Quebec, and she has been also working right now in the area of cancer, uh, doing some research with our Young Living Oils. And again, this would be taken sublingually or uh, um, through the, um, just by, by smelling it? Or? Well, that's the, that's the whole uh, point about what kind of oils are you getting? Because in this case, what we're talking about in the work that Dr. H.K. Lin has been doing has been the actual ingestion of the oils, meaning taking them in capsules and, you know, use their dietary supplement. So right. at that level, for that type of purpose, uh, it would be, you know, taken in a different different way. Isn't that All amazing? Right. You can actually take an oil and not a pill, and there's no side effects other than good health. All right. If you keep talking like this, I'll have to hire someone to start my car. All right. We will take a time out and continue our discussion with Dr. Sabina DeVita and Dr. Lana Marconi right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't you dare go away. And we are back uh, with Dr. Lana Marconi and Dr. Sabina DeVita uh, talking about alternative health modalities and the documentary film again is the wellness story and you can watch it on vimeo uh this is also available at drlana.com d-r-l-a-n-a.com i want to talk about 
uh, electromagnet, uh, um, well, the electronic smog that we're, we're, we're living in, mm. Wi-Fi and cell phones and microwave ovens. And um, we, had, we were discussing earlier our subtle energies. I'm guessing that uh, these would be affected by a, the electromagnetic... Sabina is the queen when it comes to talking about electromagnetic pollution and what we can do about it. Well, it's so interesting that you're asking that question because about, believe it or not, it was about 20 years that I ago that I was fascinated because I had a number of clients coming in with problems of unexplainable, really, problems. And I, and I was so intrigued because I was doing a lot of energy work at the time that I started to investigate uh, their use of cell phones, and at that time it wasn't as popular uh, popular as it is today. And also the use, of course, they were surrounded by computers. And what I discovered was that the electromagnetic pollution problem back then was a problem. And so I certainly started to devise and work with it, uh, helping them to balance their systems. And then I ended up becoming more involved in some other technologies to help balance and maintain that balance. Well, where I'm going with this, Richard, was the fact that I continued my investigation when I began to use the device, again, coming back to the Curlian bioelectrography, which today we now have a, another device that's a sort of, I would say it's the other brainchild it's, uh, of Dr. Karotkov. It's called BioWell, uh, BioWell.com, uh, or our, our own, um, I guess, website. But what was fascinating was to actually start taking pictures of people before and after. So I started to experiment with people coming in, and I would have them just uh, turn off their phones, take a picture before, then turn on their phones, have it nearby, then have it on them, then have them speaking with it. And absolutely, it was just, it was stunning with what was showing up. Uh, matter of fact, it was shocking because you could actually see holes um, mainly up in the head area. There would be just literally gaps. They would turn the phone. Sometimes the, the person would actually look like they were being electrocuted because they would just be sparks coming out of their head area. Uh, it was just absolutely intriguing. And, of course, many of my clients at that time just realized that, oh, my goodness, this is, you know, affecting and this is impacting me more than I realize. Now, I continue to do my research and, of course, in the area of electromagnetics and what's happening to the brain in particular is, again, really shocking. Matter of fact, in one of my books called Vibrational Cleaning, I talk about specifically what electromagnetic pollution is doing to the brain, specifically the pineal gland. Now, the pineal gland became a fascination for me because as I was doing this Curlian research over a period of a good 15 to 18 years, and I was doing it in different cultures. I mean, I had traveled with my unit, this little, you know, my, my GDV, what we call GDV, Curlian device, and I was taking pictures, and I kept seeing similar patterns to the brain area, particularly the pineal pituitary area. And that concerned me. And when I delved into it further from what is being now addressed in the research, we see a direct correlation between these high electromagnetic disturbances and particularly the pineal gland itself. And the pineal gland is, as you teach me all the time, what does Rene Descartes say? Oh, it is the... Seat of, seat of the, the soul. soul. The third eye. The third eye. So guess what? That blocks your connection, your conscious connection, your conscious growth, your intuition, your spirituality. It keeps you stunted. Yet, more and more people, see, we're, we're talking uh, 
often on this program about what seems to be this awakening and, and uh, you know, whether it's related to, uh, you know, more UFO sightings because of the, the pineal gland or uh, more encounters with the paranormal. It almost sounds sort of counterintuitive. I mean, uh, it I sounds like our, our pineal glands are opening up, uh, but you're saying, no, they're being calcified and, and so forth. Actually, they are. And I, I agree with what you're saying, too. We have both happening. Mm-hmm. I I propose that we would have, we would be that much further, okay? We would have accelerated our consciousness on this planet if we had everyone on the planet have their pineal glands activated to what they can be. We would be so much further. I know that. Because you, today, in, in terms of the statistics and what's showing up with young people, even as far as a 17-year-old, what they found was that three-quarters, half to three-quarters of their pineal glands have already been calcified. What, aside from the, uh, the connection with uh, the soul, what other health uh, problems are related to the pineal gland? I mean, well, is, is it responsible for the endocrine system? Yes, or? absolutely. It is actually considered to be the master for the entire immune system. It actually oversees viruses, and that's what I found interesting, too. And so it sends messages to the entire system. But it also is very intricate in our connection, as actually Dr. Lana was saying, in terms of our higher intuitive abilities. Matter of fact, it has been correlated to having superpowers. If we have it completely opened and completely accessible, we would have the ability to do super learning, super abilities, and just superpowers to heal ourselves. And we really have not reached that because we still see, again, statistically, with what Dr. Lana pointed out earlier on the show, was the amount of people that are still very ill and are experiencing the numbers of diseases that we, we heard earlier. So the ability to actually heal thyself, wow. Right, right. Well, I, I know the European Parliament uh, recently banned Wi-Fi in, in the public school system. Uh, but let's face it, the, the horse has bolted the barn. We are living in an electronic age. There's no going back, uh, I suppose, unless we have a major EMP event and we are in the dark uh, for the next 20 years. Uh, I mean, And short of living in a Faraday cage... How can we possibly avoid exposure to EMF? Well, I have some answers for that because one of my studies is I've been an avid, uh, not just, you know, in terms of researching, but certainly continued my path in my own learning journey. And one of the areas that I have delved into is in the area of biogeometry with Dr. Ibrahim Karim. And Dr. Karim particularly has developed a technology of understanding uh, space, the science actually referred to as the physics of quality and understanding angles, geometry, and using these to help offset the negative or incoherent patterns that we are bombarded with from electromagnetic pollutants. And so you probably see I'm wearing this necklace. Well, this necklace is not just a necklace. It's actually a biogeometry, uh, I guess, device, really, uh, that Dr. Karim has developed to help offset elect- electromagnetic pollutants. So I can be in, in, an, um, in an environment, basically, but I'm also helping to balance my own body system and particularly my own meridian and energy system at the same time so that I can cope within this world of electromagnetic smog. 
I'll throw it over to you now, Dr. Marconi. Uh, from the film or from your own uh, practice, give people uh, sort of a, a top four maybe approaches to getting healthier in terms of, of, of diet, um, just overall physical well-being, physical spiritual well-being. Well, <clears throat> I'm a strong advocate of no drugs, whether that's prescription drugs or recreational drugs. So that would be number one. Number two, um, I'm vegetarian myself, and that's worked for me. Um, but again, everybody's biochemi- biochemically different. So you need to do research to see what works for, for your body. There's various types of uh, diets out there. Paleo, The paleo diet is, is another diet that's talked about in the wellness story. Is that the caveman diet? That's the caveman diet. Well, that's, that's meat, though. That's protein. That, that, but they talk about using organic meat. Right, right. <laughs> right. But then, you know, you have another doctor talking about the China study where meat causes cancer. So it's, it's balance, moderation in terms of what you're eating. Um, emotionally, you need to clean up your emotions. You need to start feeling good. Life is about feeling good. So every time you feel off, there's your cue that your emotions are your feedback system to wake up. There's something misaligned in you. You need to start thinking properly because improper thoughts create negative emotions, which create metabolic waste acid, which creates acidification of the body, which is the breeding ground for disease. Hang on, just repeat that. That's interesting. Uh, So bad thoughts create metabolic waste acid. Bad thoughts create negative emotions. The negative emotions create metabolic waste acid. Acidification of the body is the breeding ground for disease. Because cancer, remember, cannot occur in an oxygen um, environment, oxygen-deprived environment. Right, and an alkaline alkaline environment. Right. Metabolic waste acid. I mean... Can we measure that? What does it look like? What <laughs> cortisol stress? That's right. Cortisol that's stress. right. That is absolutely, absolutely. That's, it's just a fancy levels. doctor word. That's all it is. But it's like cortisol. It's stress in the body, right? It's right. The, it's the hormones. So you need to you need to master that. That's why, I like Doctor Arnold Painvin, who's a medical doctor, the Zen Buddhist master. You know, he he harps a lot about mindfulness meditation, and you can see why. Because you need to get in check your thoughts and your emotions because they have a huge implication on the body, like we talked about with heart math, the research coming out there. And then spiritually, you know, you need to do everything that you can to connect with um, your own inner self and, and grow in that way. Like the documentary talks about career health. It talks about money. I got Dr. John Martini talking about wealth management and money. I have Sh- Shannon LaRue, who's like a huge athlete in Canada, and she talks about, you know, f- fulfilling your purpose in life in terms of your vocation and your career. So there's so many different aspects, Richard, from nutrition, exercise. And when I talk about exercise in the film, I mean, it's not just go to the gym and pump iron. I mean, I have Qigong masters in the movie, you know, so it's really an integration of East and West. And it's a, it's a full range of what it means to be wealthy. So I say sit back, relax, digest it with your family and learn these skills because you're going to be your only true advocate of health for you and your family. Like, think about it. You're the only one who's really going to care about yourself, and you need to take responsibility for your health so we can clean up these just unfortunate disease statistics that are rising. Go ahead. You know, I'd like to add something to that, too, because I I advocate exactly what you've just said, Dr. Lannan. That was just so well said. And, And I'd like to add one key big area, and that is our environment, and particularly our indoor environment, our homes. 
And, and Richard, the reason that I'm going down this path is that I discovered that as I sat there with my clients one-on-one, I had to repeat myself. What do you use for a laundry detergent? What do you use to wash your hair with? What do you wa- wash your floors with, etc.? And, you know, it would be the Javix or the Tide or whatever. And many of these types of soaps and shampoos, etc., are toxic. House They're, cleaning is dangerous. Absolutely. I've maintained that for years, but it no is. one would believe me, but I didn't have the science. Yeah, I just, absolutely. It is. You know, and the Environmental Protection Agency have been pointing this out. It's six to ten times more toxic in the home than outdoors. Right. Right? And 90% of chronic illnesses are caused by the environment. Sure, we're using a lot of solvents and and, uh, cleansers. Absolutely. uh, Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, statistically, they actually did a comparison of women who actually stayed in the home to women who are basically the career women who left the home. There is actually 54% higher incidence of cancer amongst women who are in the home or stay or remain in the home. Wow, that's fascinating. It's been a fascinating discussion. Leave us with a website, Dr. Sabina, or Sabina DeVita. Correct. Uh, probably vibrationalcleaning.com, which is my book site, and that would take people to, obviously, my other sites as well. Uh, be well, be dash well now.net is the website for the technology that I talked about. All right. And uh, Dr. Lana Marconi, give us a website. DRLANA.com. And Eye on Life, where can they watch that? DRLA, my, my website, drlana.com. And then right. it links them to, to everything else. Excellent. It's all yeah. there. Thank you so much for this. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you, Richard. All right. My thanks to Ian Robertson. Albert Vinzel, Jonathan Franz, and all of you for listening. Back next week with a brand new program. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.